0: We started uh, this this message um, on draw near a while back, but we're talking about how God draws near to us. James four. Eight, draw near to God, and He will draw near to you. And that's what we're experiencing. That's what we're endeavoring to grow in. And we want to we learn more about the presence of God. I, I wish I knew everything about the presence of God. But He really did. He told me, He said, that He is going to be increasing His kabod, His glory, His physical, physical manifest glory in this place, he's going to be increasing it. So if you come in and there's like a cloud either up here or on the floor, don't think that it's a hazer because we don't have hazers here. how many know what hazers are? Anybody know what a hazer is? All right, all right. Dave knows fog what a. Yeah, it's like a fog machine for a concert. Yeah, so that's what they call them, and uh, we don't have those here, by the way. And I, I, I. Didn't want them because of that very reason. Because God's always promised to show up in a cloud of glory, and if if we're pretending that He's showing up in a cloud of glory with our own hazers, then what what what's the point? I don't know. Maybe I'm simple that way, but He is drawing near to us, and so we want to be acquainted with that. We want to be intimate with that. We want to know what it really means, and what it feels like, what it looks like, how. You know, it, it talks about the Spirit of God being like a dove, descending on Jesus like a dove. Now, He's not a bird. Somebody say amen. The Holy Spirit is not a bird, by the way. I know in movies we see that all the time, but, but it was as, like a dove. It was just this beautiful, Move that people could see this movement of the Spirit of God descending upon Jesus, and it rested upon him. And this is what it says. It literally says that John the Baptist had a prophecy. He had a prophecy from the Father that whomever you see the Spirit of God descending on and remaining upon, that's the Messiah. Somebody say amen. Amen. And so so getting acquainted with the tangible, visible glory presence of God is what this God-drawing near side of this message, this this word that God has given to us, what it's all about. And so he, he comes and he rests. He is drawn to us by his presence, or he manifests, I should say, in greater measure because of our love for him and our care for him and our worship of him, when we just make him our focus in worship, not necessarily the song. The song enhances it. The song kind of builds the platform in which we worship. But the worship has to come from deep on the inside. It has to be spirit and truth. And this is how, in those two dreams that God gave me, one of the the bowls on the tables that were being just, I was praying for them and just things were multiplying out of them and the power of God was flowing through me. And the dream just recently of preaching out of the presence of God in this entire arena, 10,000 seats, maybe 15,000 seats began to fill up. And the Lord, I said, Lord, I, I'm not, I have no interest in filling up, you know, Uh, nobody's gonna come and see a fat, fat, bald guy to preach. But if you are doing something, I wanna know. I wanna know what you're saying in that. And he said, he said, when my word takes center stage and ministers minister out of the presence of God, the glory presence of God on the inside of them, that I will fill houses of worship. I will fill my, people are so hungry for the word of God. And it was that same ease. As I was preaching, I, would, I was closing my eyes because I didn't want to. There was about 100 people when I started in this dream. And I just closed my eyes. I didn't want to see anything that was happening. I just wanted to focus on Jesus. As I was preaching, I was calling people, draw near to God. Draw near to him. Draw near, repent, and all of that. And just calling people to repentance and calling them. And just out of this heart for God. And all of a sudden I look up and people are coming. They're flooding in. I close my eyes again. Lord, I don't want to look. I don't want to look. You know, that's what I was saying. I don't, it doesn't, you know, I'm glad people are coming in. But he said, my word is going to take center stage in these last days. And my spirit is going to draw people. And you have to know what I'm doing, Randy. You have to know what I'm doing. And so that's what draw, drawing near to God and Him drawing near to us is all about. Now, how does that work out in your practical life? Well, it's the same thing. It's really the same thing. It's it's knowing that you carry the glory presence of Jesus. You carry the glory presence. You are the temple of the living God. He says, I will dwell in in you i will dwell with you i will dwell among you i will walk among you so you just want to know that all right just don't ever doubt that don't ever doubt that just settle it in your heart whoa he's with me and he wants to do things he wants to speak but we as a corporate body uh he has assignments for us as a corporate body. Like I said, there's things he wants me to do individually, but as a corporate body, there's greater authority and there's there's greater ability in the spiritual realm to change not only families, change your own life, change your loved ones for the glory of God, but change communities, Middletown, hallelujah, Oak Hills, wherever we have our churches, uh, and regions and nations somebody say amen so the more we get a hold of this so god is drawing near did anybody feel god's presence tonight how many felt the presence of god (laughs) larry did you say woe or no (laughs) No. (laughs) Whoa! i know you said i know i heard It was like i was hearing angels too i mean it's really profound and it's just a simple piano you know, I just feel like God loves when we worship Him. But there's a there's a part of what we've been talking about in, in God drawing near, in His presence and His glory presence, and what all that will mean um, in um, out in California at uh, during the uh, Great Revival out there at the turn of the century last last century. Um, you know, there was uh, the glory cloud just would show up and people would experience incredible miracles. So expect that when God is increasing his glory presence in this place. But his promises, his promises begin to manifest in our life. What has God promised you? What has he promised you? That's a big personal question, but what has he promised us as a corporate body? Acts chapter 7, let me read it again. But when the time of the promise drew near, which God, when the time of the promise drew near, which God had sworn to Abraham, the people grew and multiplied in Egypt till another king arose who did not know Joseph. In other, in other words, as God begins to press in, as he begins to draw near, manifestations of what he's doing, it all doesn't come to pass instantly, but manifestations of what he wants to do begin to take place. The people, Israel, began to multiply. And in this season, you're going to notice. The more you press in with us and you become a part of of the body of Christ here and you just you you have a heart for what I'm talking about and you want to experience it. You want to see it. Um, You're going to see personally things that are going to begin to happen in your life that you some of you just dreamed about or you thought would never happen or whatever Uh, Open doors, things, uh, you know, habits breaking off or just things that you thought would never happen. Healings, prayers answered. As God is pressing in, it's like heaven begins to collapse on the earth. When Jesus said this, he said, pray this way. Heavenly Father, Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so, what I see, I, I do a little chart, and I, I won't even pretend to try to do it now. If I had my whiteboard, I would show you. In this, these three glory realms: there's the terrestrial world, there's the celestial, and then there's the eternal realm. What happens is God begins to press in. It's like God begins to in through the atmosphere and demons have to flee. Somebody say amen. I mean, principalities that are in the heavenlies all day just have to go when he begins to move. And he sets up his throne and his glory with us. He's literally, the Bible says that he is enthroned in the praises of Israel and the praises of his people. Somebody say amen. So it's like, I remember when we were having revival in the other building years ago. Jt uh, Josh Martino, who's pastoring Life Church Strongsville now, he was our worship leader, and he uh, we were in a three we were in, at the end of a three week revival, and the power of God was just we were going every day. I mean, every single day, Monday through Sunday, three full weeks. People were coming; it was wild. Power of God, people, miracles. It was unreal, and uh, but it's close to the last day, maybe even the last day. JT, I look at JT, and his eyes are like this. He's looking up, and he's trying to play, but he's looking up. He's looking up, and he, all of a sudden, he just he he starts his eyes start coming down. He told me later. He actually gave the testimony in the service. He said. I have never had an open-eye vision. You know, and anybody that knew JT, JT is a straight arrow. I mean, he is a straight shooter. He doesn't mess around. So he goes, I have never had an open-eye vision, but I just had one, Pastor Randy. And I mean, his eyes are still like this. He literally said he could see the throne of God pressing down and coming down and resting among us. Somebody say amen. Does that, like, make you want to shout? Yeah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And what happens in those moments are miracles. Things begin to happen. The miracles of God begin to happen and move. In this case, the multiplication of Israel as God's time and his promise drew near. And I wanted to give you a few points on how and why today, how and why you claim the promises of God in your life. How and why you claim the promises of God. Now, you can't just randomly just, well, I'm going to claim that. I'm going to claim. There's, I mean, I can't put anything past God's grace. Let's put it that way. I mean, God is just gracious. But when if you really want to see the promises manifesting in your life that he's promised in his word, now there's, Hundreds, tens of thousands of promises in the Word of God that you can literally claim as your own. Somebody say amen. Amen. And as God's drawing near, He's waiting for us to talk to Him about His promises and what He can do. And we talk a lot about seeing loved ones saved and miracles and healings, but it also includes finances and personal goals and just anything, anything. It doesn't matter, big or small. But claiming the promises of God are so good. Let's start with why. Why you claim the promises of God as he's drawing near. 1 Peter, it's, this is what it says. Why we claim they are exceeding great and precious when we partake of them. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 1 says this. Simon Peter, a bondservant, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have obtained like precious faith... With us by the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ. How many know that's me and you? That's us. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Those are all promises. How many know God will multiply your peace and your knowledge of Him? Somebody say, Amen. I was praying that over there while I was worshiping. God just increase my knowledge, my revelation of you. Say, Pastor, you've served him for 40 years. Yeah. Almost 40. And but you can't exhaust that knowledge. Somebody say it's so, it's so vast, there's no end. He's eternal. Somebody say amen. It goes on, verse 3, as his divine power has given to us all things. Everybody say all things. All things. <laughs> that pertain to life, that is life biologically, life spiritually, life eternal, that pertain to life and godliness, all things. So if you're struggling with your flesh and not necessarily living the way you need to, God's given you everything you need to overcome those things. Somebody say amen. So that we don't have any excuses. We don't want to make excuses, by the way. We want to live for God. Through the knowledge of Him who called us by glory and virtue. Did you know God called you by glory and virtue? I can't even explain that. I'm still digging that out. That's just amazing to me. By glory and virtue, God called me. Wow. I know a little bit of that, but it's just so high for me. Verse 4, by which, here it is. Here's the point by which we are we're talking about why we claim the promises of God by which have been given to us exceeding great and precious promises. God has given to us. He has given to you. You may feel like you don't deserve anything from God. I break that off of you. That is a lie of the enemy. God doesn't operate in condemnation. He does not operate in condemnation. He operates in conviction, and conviction draws you to him. Condemnation makes you run from God. That's the biggest thing that you need to understand about conviction brings you to God condemnation causes you to flee from God by which have been given to us exceeding great and precious promises that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature somebody say amen this is why that you may be a partaker of the divine nature of God (laughs) come on everybody say amen amen now, just let it soak in for a minute. Let it soak in. I know you're created in the image of God. That's good. You know, God blessed you to live on this earth. He put a heartbeat in you. He put breath in you. All of that gave you everything, every physical blessing, all of that. It's good. You know, people get puffed up in that. They get puffed up in the in the natural. But listen, it's far better than that. Somebody say, man, God has blessed. Has granted to us to be partakers of His divine nature. Somebody amen. say Amen. Now I'm going to tell you right now, that is the greatest revelation you will ever have of what God imparts. It doesn't get any better than that. Having escaped because He is, because He has given to us, and made us partakers of the divine of the divine nature. We have escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. We have escaped. We have escaped through the born-again experience. We have escaped. There was like, I remember having a dream right after I got saved. So powerful. Um, I'm just floating in this pool. There's no bottom to it. I'm just floating in this pool, and my friends are around me, and they're floating too. And all of a sudden, I get sucked down into this bottom, and then I get propelled up, and I, I fly out of the pool, uh, on the outside of the pool, and I land looking down at my friends on a beautiful big marble floor that went forever. And I remember looking at my friends, and I'm thinking, Lord, why isn't this happening to them? Well, because they haven't given their life to me and i remember there was nothing i could do and i wasn't you know i don't know that dream it just i just turned and walked away the lord wanted to take me and disciple me and make me a disciple of his somebody say amen which is a symbolic in many ways a prophetic dream of what god wants to do that we have escaped we have escaped we have escaped the corruption that is in the world so how do we how do we claim as i conclude here i'm going to give you a few points so we know why so that we can be a partaker of the divine nature of god so we can walk in the glory so we can walk in the authority of god everything that god has everything that that he is he wants to impart to us somebody say amen just like jesus he wants to impart it to us now i'm not jesus right we're none of us are but we are sons and daughters and he is the first of many sons, somebody say amen, and daughters. And in many ways, we're like him, in many ways, in many ways. In fact, the Bible tells us, as he is, so are we in this world. Somebody say amen. So when the devil looks at you, you know, if he can get you to, if he can get you to think about yourself and not who is in you, and then he can fool you he can intimidate you but when you realize Jesus is in you you know the old saying well when the devil comes knocking at the door I send Jesus to the door to answer it somebody say amen that's the way you should treat the devil oh somebody got that that's an old joke (laughs) but how do you claim so now let's look at that let's look at this how you claim the promises of God. Number one, trust the promise giver. Trust is a big issue today. People do not trust other people. They do not trust God. They do not trust. Why? Because they've been violated. They have, they have been uh, lied to. Hucksters have Hucked them, you know what I'm saying. I mean, they have just hoodwinked people. People have been taken advantage of so much. The Lord reminded me, he said, Randy, one of the great reasons why you are here on this earth is to make this world better. Just make it better. Be the salt, be the light. And people, it's hard for people to trust You know, people have had bad fathers, bad parents. And so father figures that doesn't feel too good. I had a great dad. I had a great mom. I, I, You know, that was a good thing for me because I've learned that I can truly trust my heavenly father. And if I had to overcome something like that, I have great compassion for people that have to overcome things like that. But you can. You can overcome that. You will overcome it. In fact, God will melt that thing away when you begin to deal with it right, just deal with it headlong. Devil, you are not going to discourage me about my heavenly father. He is perfect. He is eternal and he is my father now. And you're the father of lies. So whatever you're saying, get out. Somebody say amen. But trusting, trust the promise giver. That's the when you're looking at the promises of God and they look so fantastic they look incredible they almost look impossible you see them and you think man I don't know I don't know if God would do that for me I know because I used to when I was first saved and I was learning the word I would that is amazing Lord you really want to you really want to do those things through me or in me Yeah. (laughs) yeah and that's what he said he said yes Hallelujah. But I had to learn to trust the Father. And sometimes, as we're going to learn about claiming promises of God, we're going to learn that some promises immediately happen. Some, they linger, and you have to operate in faith. But you have to trust the promise giver. Titus 1 says this, verse 1, Paul, a bondservant, isn't that what Peter called himself to? Isn't that interesting? of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ, according to the faith of God's elect and the acknowledgement of the truth, which accords with godliness, in hope of eternal life, which God, here's a big thing about His character and trusting Him, who cannot lie. Somebody say, God cannot lie. God cannot lie. Hallelujah! So I've got to really get that because I've been lied to and I've lied. Somebody say, "Oh, I know, I know the halos are pop- popping up. Now, I don't lie anymore. I used to lie. Somebody say amen to that. Pastor, you're not a liar, are you? No, I'm a straight shooter. But when I was a sinner, anything went, you know what I'm saying. You did anything just to have your way. But the Lord delivered me. He pulled those things out. But people get lied to. God cannot lie. He will not lie. It's impossible for God to lie. Notice what it says here. In hope of eternal life, God who cannot lie promised before time began, but has in due time manifested His word through preaching. Which, he, which was committed to me according to the commandment of God, our Savior. I'm going to ask Dave to come on back up. I'm going to close on this. I got, I got five points I want to give, and I'll continue. The, the, I'll try to get through these on Sunday altogether. But all the promises are claimed this way. You look to the Father, and you say, I trust you, Father. Your word... You said that you honor your word even above your name. You honor your word. Now, when you're claiming a promise, it's going to be on God's terms, not on yours. So you have to be, you have to be humble. You can't just be demanding and well, it didn't happen in, you know, three minutes. You know what I'm saying? No, 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 no. When you claim promises, you wait for God. Let him do it. Let him work. trust him. His word is true. His word, there have been promises given to me that have still not come to pass, but they're coming. Be why? Why do I know that? Because he's drawing near. And so are his, his promise, promises. I'm getting ready to shout right now because I know it. He has promised some really awesome things for me and he's already done. Awesome, amazing things for me and you. But there's more. Somebody say amen. And when I think about his promises drawing near and that he cannot lie, and some promises take a while, but there comes a time, whoo, hallelujah, when the promises are happening and you know it. And it's like, oh, God takes your breath away. He takes your breath away. That's why don't get discouraged if you're waiting on promises. Don't get discouraged. Just keep, thank you, Lord, that it's going to happen. Thank you. Thank you, Lord, that you're already moving and working on my behalf. Stand with me. Praise God. Are you with me here tonight? Did this make sense? Amen. Come on, give the Lord praise right now. Hallelujah. Yes, Lord. And so I want I want to lead you through a declaration here. And I want the Holy Spirit just to make it so real to you. All right, are you ready? Heavenly Father, thank you for your promises. Thank you that they are real. Thank you that they are genuine. And they are powerful. I believe you. I will not fear. I will not operate in unbelief. I will not doubt your promises. Your promises are yes and amen. I am a partaker of the divine nature because of your promises, and I receive them, and I will wait upon you until you bring them to pass. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. So so his promise is great, but his person is greater how may understand it's not what god gives us it's just knowing him that's so that's so wonderful